Grace to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. For our guests um, today, I want to call your attention to the fact that on the, on the back of the order of service is a little summary of the Believe series that our congregation has been involved in uh, pretty much for uh, uh, several months now anyway. And we are in chapter, just finishing up chapter 16 of Believe, which has as its title, Biblical Community. And that chapter contains all kinds of examples from the Old Testament and the New Testament about what living in community with others looks like. Our text for today provides the the best example of, of what's behind biblical community. It really, it it gives us our marching orders in this community. It's the words of Jesus from uh, from John chapter 13. I'd like to uh, have us all read those together, please. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. This is our text. So what do people usually remember most about a Super Bowl? A lot of you are going to say, well, it's the commercials. And at uh, $5 million for a 30-second spot, I guess the advertisers would love to hear us say that. Others will say, what I remember most is the game itself. That kind of depends, doesn't it? If it's a close game, an exciting game, then we'll tend to remember it. Or if our team was, was one of the two that was playing. What others remember and look forward to, actually, year after year, are the gatherings. There'll be Super Bowl parties in homes in in Frankenmuth and every every town and city across America today, as people gather with family and friends for the big game. You know, there'll be plenty of people, though, who also are gathering with total strangers to watch the game. Some of them will, will do that in the football stadium. Others will uh, be at other public gathering places. It's an interesting phenomenon. Most of these are people who don't know each other. And yet, and yet as the game progresses, it can begin to, to seem as if they've been friends for years. As they cheer together when their team is doing well, as they console one another when their team isn't doing so well. It doesn't matter what color they are, what their religion is, where they come from, what their occupation is. They have something in common. And that is, they're all cheering for the same team. Well, biblical community is like that, isn't it? When you think of biblical community, don't think of community as being a place or a town. Biblical community is not where you live. Rather, it is how you live with each other and for each other. In other words, it's just better together. Biblical community is something that that we experience and enjoy. 
something that we are a part of and want to share with others. That's always been the case about biblical community. It has a long history, and now I'd invite you to turn to the sermon outline if you're not already there on page three of your service folder. We have a little history lesson uh, to begin with because biblical community has a long history going all the way back into eternity because before creation, in eternity, there was only God, all alone, and yet not alone. God existed then as he does today as three distinct persons in one divine essence, which we express this way, tri meaning three, and and unity talks about oneness, and of course it's from those two words that we get the word trinity to describe God, That, that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit experience such unity that they are not three, but one, and yet still three. Obviously, we we can't explain that, nor do we want to go into it any further today, because that's not the point. The point is that it's better together, and that God has existed in community from eternity. And that has to be why he created the world and everything in it. Because he wanted to extend and expand this community, to share with people what he was experiencing in himself. So God created the world. And we're told seven times in the book of Genesis that as as God looked at what he created, he said what? It was good. In fact, at the very end of creation, he said it was very good. But in the midst of all of those, Maybe you've noticed this before, maybe you haven't. There's one time during the six days of creation when God said that something was not good. You remember that? It was right after he created Adam. And what did he say then? It is not good that the man should be alone. So he created Eve as a companion because he knew that man needed help. And that's been the case ever since, hasn't it? God created Eve because man by himself was not complete, even as woman by herself not complete. We are better together. God created woman and man to be united with him, to be united with one another. And for a while, that's the way it was in the Garden of Eden. Of course, we know what happened. That didn't last very long. And and the sin that Adam and Eve uh, participated in disrupted and destroyed that unity that they had with God and also with one another. But that didn't work for God. He's all about unity and community. And so the rest of the scripture really is about God's plan 
to restore that unity, that community. That's what the incarnation, the, uh, the conception and the birth of Jesus are all about. And it might seem to make sense that, well, when Jesus came to earth, the unity of the Trinity was disrupted because now Jesus is on earth and the Father's in heaven. But their unity was not disrupted. The, uh, the gospel lesson for today certainly points that out, doesn't it, at his transfiguration? When the Father says of Jesus, this is my Son, and, and he instructs the disciples then and instructs us now, listen to him. Now we read that lesson today because on the, on the church calendar, this is Transfiguration Sunday. And while that's not the focus of our worship, it's something that we didn't want to lose. Transfiguration Sunday is always the, the Sunday before Lent begins. But it just happens that it works out to be a perfect example of biblical community, not only the community that, that the Father shared with the Son and, and with the Spirit as well, but also something else that's very vital in biblical community. Because Moses and Elijah were there. That tells us a couple of things. Number one, this biblical community never ends. Number two, what were Moses and Elijah doing there? While we don't know the words of their conversation, we do know the topic because Luke tells us that they were talking about Jesus' departure, which was ahead of him. And what that's talking about is when he was going to be leaving that place and going for the last time to Jerusalem. And I'm guessing they knew, and certainly he knew, what was at the end of that journey. And so I'm thinking they practiced something about biblical community that is called encouraging one another, because I'm sure that Jesus, as a human, needed words of encouragement for the road that was ahead, the road that was going to end at Calvary's cross. You know, the night before Jesus was crucified, we see how close he was to his father when in the Garden of Gethsemane, his heartfelt prayer is, Father, remove this cup from me if it is your will. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. I think it's fair to say that at that moment, Jesus and his father were never closer than they were right then. I think it's also fair to say that less than 24 hours later, they were never further apart. As Jesus on the cross uttered another prayer, and it is a prayer, a prayer of despair, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As Jesus gave voice to the total disruption of the unity that, that had existed between him and his Father. The worst thing about the crucifixion was that though Jesus was surrounded by people, he suffered all alone. But because he was alone in his suffering, we never will be. He has reunited us with our Heavenly Father. He has ushered us back into community with Him and with other believers. 
So that now, it's when we're doing it right, we don't always, I know, but when we're doing it right, we are able to overlook all of those things that divide us, and there could be many. And instead we focus on the one thing, really the one person who unites us. The one who gave us that new command. Did you, did you ever wonder about that? A, a new command, I give you love one another. What's new about that? Moms have been telling their kids, probably from the time of Eve, Cain and Abel, moms have been telling their kids to love one another. So what was new about Jesus' command? It wasn't just those instructions to love one another, it's what's followed. As he says, that we are to love as he has loved us. That's new. It's an incredible demonstration of biblical community to love one another as Jesus loved us all the way to the cross. To love one another sacrificially and totally and completely as our epistle lesson said today that that we're all members of the body of Christ and each member belongs to all the others. That's biblical community. That reminds us that it's better together. And so now we are in the the mystery part of the the sermon outline. And, And part of that mystery is that we are united in purpose, just like fans at, a, at the Super Bowl today will have one purpose, one thing in common, and that is to cheer their team, they hope, to victory. So also we have one purpose together, and that is to make known the love of Christ to others. I think you know that that doesn't happen by accident. And so the second point is that we are united not only in purpose, but also on purpose. It's something that we have to work at because that which would divide us comes so naturally. That which would unite us requires effort and energy on our part as we seek to make Christ's love shown. In what we do and what we say, or as our St. Lawrence Mission statement says so well, to show others by word and deed how beautiful it is to live with Jesus. Did you notice in the, in the verses that we read at the beginning of the service, uh, we read those responsively, how many, of, well all of those actually used either the phrase one another or each other. That was intentional. It's used all over the place in the New Testament to talk about how how Christians are to live in community and fellowship with one another. In fact, depending, of course, on the translation that you use, but in one translation of of the Bible, the NIV, one another is used 73 times. Any idea how many times each other is used? 109 times. Now, I was a little bit surprised when I started reading through some of those. We've grouped some of them together. I'll, I'll show you those in a minute. But, uh, one of the groupings was negative. I was surprised at, at how many times in the early church they were told not to do something, or depending on the verb that was used, sometimes it was to stop doing something. I 
I kind of have, maybe you do too, an idealized conception of what the early church was like. And, and some of that might stem from, uh, from the first lesson that was read today from Acts chapter 2. Right after Pentecost, the Christians are on fire for the Lord. And what do they do? We're told they had everything in common. They, they sold their possessions. They, they sold land. And if anybody had need, it wasn't for long because they would share with those who, were in, who had been in need be, so that they were no longer in need. What a picture of biblical community. And yet, that early Christian church was no less sinful than we are. And so they had to be reminded We'll just kind of scroll through some of these things. They had to be reminded, these words are directly from the New Testament, how not to treat each other because they had been treating each other these ways. And nothing was more harmful to the spread of Christianity then or now. Nothing was more harmful to an individual's faith then or now than some of the things that Christians then and now have been doing to one another, disrupting biblical community. The Lord says this is not to be, so don't do that. Or if you've been doing it, stop doing that and start doing these kinds of things. I'll just let you look at them. It is better together, isn't it, when we're doing those things? When we're able to do those things, we are bringing biblical community to those around us, the kind of community that God envisioned from eternity, the kind of community that will last for eternity. Amen.